This episode of Earl Grey is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for iPhone, iPad, and iPod, Android, Kindle, Windows Phone, plus Mac or PC. To get a free audiobook of your choice, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. Hey everyone, I'm Rod Roddenberry, and you're listening to Trek FM. T. Earl Grey, hot. It's time for another serving of Earl Grey, our dedicated TNG show. I'm Daniel Prue, sitting in the center chair this week, and as always, I'm joined by my two co-hosts. I have Bolian Ambassador Darren Moser. Darren, welcome on board the Enterprise. I think you'll find your accommodations quite to your liking. Thank you, Daniel. I, yes, I just visited from my estate on the Cliffs of Bowl, and I hear you have quite an amazing facsimile on your holodeck. I would like to examine that later. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll get Wesley to uh, set that up for you. Perfect. Or, 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 or maybe I think, Barkley. Thank you. Have her send, uh, let me know when it's uh, ready. <laughs> No, I didn't say Leslie. I said Wes. Oh, Wes. Uh, I'm sorry. In on my world, Wesley is a girl's name. <laughs> uh, excellent. Uh, and also joining us here on the bridge for some reason, we have uh, average Federation citizen, just a boring old Terran, Philip Gilfus. Philip, do you have anything you know to contribute here? What's going on? Why are you here? Man, I'm hungry. Can I have something to eat? Um, oh wait, I'll just, I'll just. There's a re- is there a replicator in here? Because I'm used to having a replicator like around me constantly to to tend to my every need, um, and like this this uh, hover thing that I use to just go around with. I mean, because I I can't really walk anymore because I just eat all day pretty much and and watch watch the best hollow vids ever. Man, it's it's the life. Man, I, so can I have that it, chair it, in ops? Can I, is because that's like the same chair that I usually sit in all day. <laughs> so this is this is now official canon uh, up. And Star Trek have been merged, and uh, or not up. Why did I say up? Wally, 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 and Star Trek have been merged into one continuity. All right, guys. I, there, nobody's going to be able to tell what we're talking about from those those introductions. We so win. I'm just going <laughs> <laughs> to go ahead and say it. Um, you know what I was I was thinking, guys. Uh, there's a there's a there's a joke, kind of a half criticism, half joke that goes around about. About uh, the enter- TNG having being the ferry of uh, of the diplomats, and like they're always going on diplomatic missions and bringing important people to important places to have important meetings. And I was thinking about that, and I thought, yeah, that's true. I mean, that's that's technically a fair joke slash criticism. Uh, but but this is the most important ship in the fleet, right? This is the flagship of the Federation. And I was wondering if you were an average citizen like Philip is here. If you lived on Earth, or you were a colonist, or you know you lived on the Moon, I guess you could, or or Mars, or anything, or anywhere outside the Terran system as well, you could live on Vulcan, you could live on on Beta Z, and and you um, you were just an average citizen. You you didn't join Starfleet or anything. You just you whatever you did. We haven't decided what people do at that point, but you lived there. Like how much of these adventures that we get to experience every week, or we did, uh, would you hear about? And so what's interesting to me about Star Trek, one of the really big things I like is the world building and the fact that this is an entire universe filled with lots of people who have, you know, varied professions and and hobbies and they do all these different things. I, I love that. I love to think that this is a real universe that exists with trillions of inhabitants and, and each of them has an interesting story to tell. But I wonder how familiar each of those citizens would be with what with the Enterprise crew, so so let me just start off, guys. Like, do you ever think about this? Do you? I, I know we don't see a lot of civilian life. In fact, we had a Philip. I think you hosted a whole show about civilian life uh, in TNG, but we we don't actually get to see too much of it. But do you ever like find yourself wondering, like, do the do the actions of this episode I'm watching right now, do they impact the average citizen? Does it matter to anybody? Like. Is this ever uh, Philip? Go ahead. I'm no, I just love like you're framing this question like it's two a.m. and you're um, 
doing something, and you're like, man, have you ever just have you ever just thought about the Federation citizens? I mean, like, just thought about it. But anyway, um, no, no, no. It's it's a good point because it, it's interesting. You know, you um, hosted the the economics uh, show we did here on Earl Grey, but like we've never really talked the politics or the political world of the Federation, which I think is just as nebulous as the economy. Like, you know, is uh, well, we know there is a Federation president, but like, you know, how is he, she, third species elected? Like, there's a, we know there's a Federation council, but like, how do you get on the council? Is it just like one per planet or, you know, like. And there's a science council, which where do they even fit in in the whole big chain? <laughs> I need an org chart, Larry. Larry, where's my org chart? <laughs> now, now I just hear the old woman like, oh, did it vote for you? How'd you become president then? <laughs> you know, and, and, and we hear about the, you know, like especially like uh, in Insurrection, you know, we hear the Federation Council, blah, 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 is ordering the whole thing. Um, and Riker goes to talk to them or whatever. But, you know, it, it is like this whole, and then like, is there an Earth government anymore? Because all we hear is the Federation. Like, is there an Earth government? Or is it just like, you know, like, because as we think here in the 21st century, like in the United States, all right, we have United States government. There's a United Nations, you know, to what limited extent they have powers. But like, so, you know, how do we do that in our head? Like, is the Federation the UN? So does that mean there's still like home rule? And then like, is the moon independent? Like, I don't know. There's all these questions that remain unanswered. I mean, there are three million people living on the moon, so, you know. <laughs> Look, I can just go out my window. I can see them from here um, on a good night. <laughs> a day like today? Absolutely. Yeah. From Montana? There's no city lights. You can see whatever you want. I mean, I can see Lake Armstrong yeah. right there. <laughs> I mean, like, Russia and Alaska, it's pretty much like Montana and the moon. You can just see it right out your front porch. What, what about you, Darren? Do you, do, do you ever, like, what, is it just me or, you know, be honest? Is, is, do you ever think about this? Like, if you just... You were the descendant, you, you know, your fourth great grandchild and, <laughs> and, and you existed in this timeline and you just and you lived in California like you do now. I mean, I hope I'm not giving away too much. But, uh, you know, like, Are you breaking the temporal prime directive, Daniel? <laughs> thanks, thanks, Daniel. And everyone knows where I live. California's a pretty big place, Darren. I think you're. I think what do you mean? Okay. No, no, no. I've watched Star Trek, Darren. San Francisco is the entire state, right? That's what, that's yeah, what I pretty, know. Pretty much. Okay. Yeah, that's where the only but, transporters are. If you want to go from anywhere to, to California, you go through San Francisco. Uh, well, there's there's two things. One is, I mean, obviously, are, are we counting? the information that's later revealed in deep space nine with like the, the Starfleet news service, or we kind of like kind of, cause yes, we have in the bigger picture heard of that, but you know, I mean, that's, I don't think that's a main point of our discussion, but I wanted to point out that they have mentioned that. Well, which is a whole nother question of what even that is. Well, technically it, in generations, we did see media. Generations. Oh, I was gosh. actually going to bring that up. Yeah, yeah. I was actually going to bring that up. Yeah. That's actually a good point. And and actually, to, you know, to your point as well, Darren. I don't know. Like, I I, I just because I think actually you could probably we could probably do a whole well maybe not a whole episode but uh, half of an episode. You do half an episode on news <laughs> about the pr- about the press in the twenty fourth yeah. century. Let's just ignore that. Let, okay. Like, like let's ignore like well, official channels. But just let, turn that just, damn just thing what off. You th- <laughs> what you Get think out of the average face. citizen well, would be exposed to. What it made to. me think of, though, is, you know, you, you mentioned about, you know, how much do people know about the Enterprise, about their adventures? And, it, I mean, we always think of the Enterprise as like this, okay, it's a ship. It's, you know, out on the seas of space, as it were. But what if in the 24th century, you know, f- things like the, the flagship Enterprise, which is is more of a city than like just a, a ship. I mean, it's a moving diplomatic platform. That's also, you know, as weapons, it's, it's, it's almost a city in itself. You know, what if in, as far as the Federation is concerned, these starships are considered more like famous locations, but they just happen to move. I, I guess I'm, I'm referring that more to like, think on, on nowadays on earth, we have famous locations where great things are done. We have CERN, we have, um, you know, Silicon Valley, you know, we have these places where big things are coming, uh, or th- good things are coming out of. What if it, the way things were 
distributed was, oh, well, you know, I mean, Beverly Crusher's having this symposium about, you know, shielding and, you know, this, you know, they're doing, I mean, the Enterprise is used as a test bed for all sorts of, you know, the, what was it, like the fast, the, the warp drive without warp drive, you know. Oh, the wave, yeah. Yeah, the with the Solarian wave, you know, there's, besides its its missions where it's like ferrying people, it actually you know, it would be a footnote on a lot of scientific papers, you know, this was conducted on the Enterprise. So I wonder if, you know, at least in a lot of academic circles, uh, you would you would know a lot about the Enterprise because all this information and, and publishing would be coming out of. And then on the military aspect, you know, as military as, as Starfleet is, you know, this was an incident. Yes, it happened in space, but it happened with the Enterprise, you know, that would harken back more to, you know, an aircraft carrier of today, you know, what campaign was it attached to? Where did it go? Who did it ferry? But yeah, as you were, as you were describing it though, that's just kind of what popped into my mind is what if it's more of a, you know, this city, you know, who are the people who live there? Who are the people that contribute to the Federation? And I I would definitely say a lot of people would know about those things, but it would depend on your field, you know, of interest, uh, whether it's, the creating of artificial life or, you know, launching eggs, you know, you know, there's, there's a lot of things that the enterprise does. Well, the, the adventures of the enterprise, I remember reading about that in middle school. (laughs) At Zephyrin Cochran middle school. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It actually, you know, I didn't even want, I even think to touch on this subject, but it's interesting. Like I actually do. I see uh, Starfleet as more, more of a, exploration than a military organization i know that, that could be a whole podcast that could be at least like, three quarters of a podcast right there but like you know i don't know like uh you know I, so i see it more of a like nasa thing or or now that we're expanding here uh you know spacex and all of this stuff and like which is like we're kind of having a a bit of a, a tiny bit of a renaissance right in space interests in today's modern interest world. uh but i'm yeah. <laughs> But I mean, imagine imagine in a, in a in a society that existed that was so multicultural and multi I mean, culture is not even the right word like multi planetary uh, society where you know everything that you did was everything important that happened was in space. It's it's interesting to think like would Captain Picard be a celebrity kind of. Like, would it have been a controversial decision? Oh, this guy lost the Stargazer, and I mean, although he commanded it for twenty years, uh, and now he's going to be the the in charge of this of of, of the most important ship in the fleet. Well, I don't like. I don't. It's, it's interesting to think about those. He would. He was about to get the uh, key to the city of Lavar, France. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's I mean, they true. gave him a they give him a bigger ship, a better ship. <laughs> that ship <laughs> but yeah no and six well, billion and, and dollar quatlu <laughs> <laughs> well and and you're saying and that that's i guess the, the the main point i was trying to make is you know yeah you have all this stuff that's going on in space all this stuff i mean we are just one planet right now and all of the different countries and different things that are going on multiply that by all of the planets of the federation i mean there must be i mean can you imagine you're on one planet you're like on let's say you're on Belarus 9 and, and you discover something <laughs> you know just to just to pick a you know and you you discover something and then you connect to the federation database and you're like oh actually in this last week this was also discovered on three other planets because <laughs> that would probably happen you would have some overlap i mean it's you're talking trillions of people here are you saying if yeah. you were trying to make your own like podcast and you were trying to think of a title, you'd have to look <laughs> it up all in the Federation database? They're all gone. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's. I'm glad you brought this up, Darren, because that's actually kind of the crux of this idea of this the podcast that I had. I was thinking with 150 plus worlds or whatever it is, you know, trillions of citizens, like all of the ridiculous, like you would be flooded with information constantly. And I was wondering how much of the actual exploits of the Enterprise would reach you. Like, when would you hear about them? How often would it be? Like, how much, how many, how many times would, you know, hashtag Enterprise D be trending? You know? (laughs) Well, I mean, to, to a certain extent, I think there would be, it would still be classified, a lot of the missions. 
Um, like, you probably wouldn't find out until, like, six months later. You know, like, oh, by the way, that happened. You know, we're, we're letting, you're, we're, uh, we're letting you know now. in disguise. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you have the, you know, the mixtape, the master of the, of, not mixtape, the master of the montage in the Battle Bridge who puts together all of your, you know, <laughs> mission recaps. So I'm sure he's got to send those somewhere. I mean, I don't know. Like, is it, uh, it that's actually an interesting point too, Philip, but I, I kind of feel like there are so many people involved, so many different, you know, at that point, you're, you're just, there leaks would happen all well, yeah, the time. Not in, not in season two, because Dr. Pulaski wiped everyone's memory who they ever encountered <laughs> with. It was just men in black the whole time. Well, well, maybe just focusing on Starfleet, because, I mean, even just that is like one entity. It's, you know, it's the chain of command. It's the people, you know, on the ships. And I mean, yes, there are a lot of ships, but they're not that many ships. I mean, how many times is the Enterprise like the only ship in the whole quadrant? Everyone just <laughs> happens to be in the beta quadrant at that time. Mm. Well, like, yeah, I mean, there. Well, I was just thinking of just because I'm trying to think of examples, but like I'm thinking of like Worf's parents. Like, how often do they hear about what's going on? And then even um, a, a, a Data's father, you know, quote unquote, like he, he I remember there was a line there in Brothers where he's like, well, I've kept up with you from time to time. Or maybe even an inheritance with Data's quote unquote mother. Is there like a public record or? Well, because that lends to me that, the, that they're only getting at least, and I'm reading a lot into it, but like they only are getting snippets occasionally. Like, oh, there was a story about, you know, Data that one year or something, you know, yeah. <laughs> So pretty much when we have an episode that focuses on a specific character, is that when information comes out about that character only? <laughs> I, okay, so here's here's my Star Trek optimism coming through. I don't think people have to, on the whole, I don't think for a majority of the time people have to file for a Freedom of Information Act to get to find out what's going on on the flagship of, of, the, of Starfleet. I think that, well, first of all, I think a lot of this information is... Uh, so important that it would be almost impossible to, to 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 keep to yourself, and it's it's almost immediately like we'll talk about like, okay, so maybe you could keep the the events of Q Who. By the way, I just got that right. Thank you very much. <laughs> now I think keep... all the bread at the local supermarket was completely sold out the day after <laughs> the events of Q-Who. <laughs> I mean, so maybe you could keep those events quiet, though I think that would be difficult with civilians on your ship. That would be really hard to do. And children. They're blabbermouths. And children. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they have the loosest lips. Those are the ones you really <laughs> so, got to go after, you know. So. But you couldn't, I mean, you couldn't keep, you could not keep the events of of Wolf 359 quiet. Everybody would know it immediately in the Federation, and, and they would be huge news, and it would be so important. You know one of those teenagers was using space Instagram on that board cube, so... <laughs> O M G Q C U B E H E R E, and and it was, but it was in a sepia filter, so you really oh I gosh, <laughs> I need something in the foreground for scale. I can't tell how big this thing is. <laughs> but no, but I think you're right. I, I I kind of agree with you, Daniel. That it, you know, yes, there are a few things like you know high let you know when the enterprise is accidentally transporting a romulan back you know to her people like that's probably not you know common knowledge (laughs) everywhere but you know but i'm sure the vast majority especially a lot of the scientific stuff you know there's no reason to keep any of that secret you know or at least that it's going on uh and i mean heck i mean where are all these logs going i mean every episode opens up with like a captain's log or something someone's got to be reading the logs there's a paper trail is that yeoman in uh san francisco sorting through everything and and if we and if we've learned anything from star trek 6 it's you all you have to do is stand outside of an open door and you can hear any classified log you with ears like that uh Oh, that's that's racist, Philip. I think well, she did uh, turn out evil. Spe- so. Speciesist. That's speciesist. Yeah. Speciesist. Yeah, you're right. Yes. So, okay, guys. Uh, wow, this is actually this is a, led to a really interesting discussion that I, I wasn't expecting it to go into that direction. <laughs> but but let's let's. Uh, I, I've compiled a list here, and it took me a while, so I want to get to the. You list. know who that else compiled a list? <laughs> McCarthy. Okay. Oh, <laughs> I, uh, I thought I, I thought we were going Santa. But I but anyway, uh, this list, <laughs> um, and and I I I I pick some things, and you guys can uh, disagree or agree, or you can bring up things that I didn't mention. But I, you know, I went through each season or and tried to mention the important things that I think that 
that impacts everything, that changes Starfleet, like that changes the Federation, it changes the So landscape. are these so the we, are these the likes and you're you're curating your timeline? <laughs> well, kind of, I guess, but you wouldn't like all of them. I mean, <laughs> well, no, no. By the twenty twenty fourth century, there's a like, dislike, and a meh button. Well, thank <laughs> thank God for that, Philip. It's about time. <laughs> I, I don't know if you you know if you were to like the event at Wolf Three Five Nine, you would have very many friends. Like <laughs> to the Wolf Three Five Nine memorial page <laughs> for all those unfortunate souls so we'll start with and this one's actually kind of i'm not sure if the average per this is actually one of those things that maybe philip is right that that the average citizen wouldn't know about but this this idea of q and the 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 trial of humanity do you think that would be common knowledge amongst the uh, you know the average folk see i i definitely see q as being a classified thing yeah because i, I think, think that would freak people out captains know about it uh you know, I mean, because Janeway yeah. knows about him. Like, they, I think they have like what a, a symposium on him. They're always having symposiums. It was you know, a symposium, but yes. Well, Q- Janeway, Janeway, and Cisco both immediately recognize the name yeah. and know and know its business, right? Well, the little like yeah. you know symbol comes up on the display. Q alert. <laughs> it's just a the letter of the alphabet, as far as I know. <laughs> Don't look at the screen. <laughs> Sorry. Be prepared for naked people to show up on your bridge. Have a spare clothes ready um but yeah because Janeway, Janeway said that all captains were and again we're gonna have to read a lot into these things but Janeway said that all captains were briefs because i mean i think that would freak people well look if you're reading if you're reading your 23rd century history like Riker is you know and and how many godlike beings did the original enterprise encounter every week so they're already freaked out at least their grandparents were so um but like so i don't think the average citizen like would you like by the way there's a powerful entity who could show up at any time and do whatever they want uh, have a good day. But don't worry, he's pretty much obsessed with Picard, so you're pretty much fine <laughs> if uh, if you're not on the 1701D. Well, you know, I, I see it the opposite, the way that you do, though, Philip, because I think that those people would be used to those kinds of beings. It would be no, it would be no big deal. Oh, oh, some all-powerful being is putting humanity on the trial again. Please, that's just the that's in the back of the paper. See, on the I'm Tuesday now picturing. News, you know? I'm picturing Q like you know, sitting at a terminal when he was, you know, mortal for a while. And he's looking at like the past events of Kirk and it's like, Oh look, that's Bob. Oh yeah. Oh, that's Phil. It's like, Oh, he just, you know, they all know each other, you know, just having havoc, you know, on, on the universe. Well, yeah. Well, in some ways it's like, you know, again, on earth, if we're going to, you know, say earth is one big paradise and nothing, you know, really happens and it's Eden and we're bored or whatever. But like, if you're a Federation colonist, I mean, that's who we're encountering every five weeks experiencing something freaky so like if you're a colonist you've seen experience biz you have you've <laughs> lived if you're a colonist you've you've seen things yeah. <laughs> well no you've seen one thing because every colony has one, one thing weird that's true that's yeah. true yeah. but then uh and that's only at the site that you beam down to net, net, i mean even though it's a planet i mean you know <laughs> it's that one continent or city well then, but then you get a visit from the hood, so that's cool. Right afterwards, so <laughs> the cleanup crew. So, so, yeah. uh, so the next, the next thing that actually, this is actually one of the biggest things that you would think everybody would know about, is what happens in conspiracy, right? Like this, like how far up does this go, man? Like it goes all the way to the top, and like, but do you think that? Do you think this is hush hush? Do you think this is like Section Thirty One or Starfleet Intelligence keeping all of this on the down low? Nobody knows this happened. I'm, I'm picturing like a Barkley like character who has a whole wall of Velcro <laughs> and he's put Velcro on the back of all his pads and he's put them all up <laughs> on the wall <laughs> and he's got like space tape. Beautiful minding. No, no, he's got he take a space blanket and he tore it into thin strips and he used that to connect all the space pads together. Yeah, he's totally beautiful minding all over. He's like, where does it go? Are you saying you know, there's a twenty fourth century group of the lone gunmen, like from the X Files? Yes. Yes, there is. <laughs> oh man. Uh, well, but like, yeah, it's well, uh, but that's a good point because unfortunately at least I feel like they kinda they built up with conspiracy and then they literally never touched it again. And it was like, well, that was a waste. Yeah. Well, I mean, you did have a starship explode, uh, and I'm blanking on which one it was, but I know one of the the ships exploded um, in conspiracy. 
Wasn't it a? It was a. It was a Galaxy Class ship, right? I'm it thinking was, it Odyssey. was, but yeah, I couldn't remember. The Odyssey, right? Yeah, yeah. No, 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 the Odyssey. No. It's not the, the Odyssey, Odyssey is the one from Doom. It is. Space I was going to yeah. say it's not always the Odyssey. It's not the Yamamoto. That was later. <laughs> it's not the Yamato. Yeah. yeah it's, uh, anyway, there's a lot of exploding Galaxy Classes. Um, un- unfortunately, should have run them over a few more drawing boards. <laughs> I know. I know. I feel like there were. Were there any left by the end of it? Anyway. Um, anyway, but yeah. Because then you have the you know you have a ship that explodes, um, and then you have the flagship just showing up to Earth for no reason. Because if you like, if I remember conspiracy, it's like we're we're gonna go home. You know we're, we don't care that they told us not to. So the flagship just shows up on Earth, um, which which it also leads me to believe like how much are people aware of what's around like the planet? Like do do they can you like like instead of like a police scanner, can you do you have like your your friendly home satellite that you can like hey what's going on around? No, oh, there's the space dock. What else is going on here? Um, but yeah, I, I just, I feel like, you know, it's funny and I'm, I'm just thinking about it when you're talking about it. Like, I feel like it would be like, um, some crazy ginormous ship showing up in the port of New York with nobody else noticing. Like you would, everybody would notice it. Even if you're not on the, on the official channels, you would see, Oh, Hey, by the way, look, this is pretty important. You know, you're out there with your space telescope, looking up in the sky and you focused it just perfect and you're like I've got a treat to show you anyway <laughs> I like how I said space telescope like there's another kind yeah. but anyway <laughs> so I'm, I'm reading up on conspiracy and it they say actually it was an ambassador class Horatio okay there you go uh, so but close I mean you know from a far distance when you're looking through your space telescope they kind of look in the, the conference same, room so. it looks exactly the same anyway um, <laughs> but not to Jordy <laughs> well he just sees it as a blue light you, well, don't, you don't all you... <laughs> see ambassadorships like that <laughs> well I'm thinking like like the the flagship in orbit sort of like Air Force One landing in your hometown like people are gonna talk yeah like you said that's exactly exactly right yeah but, well, but again, well, it doesn't the, help because the picture on Memory Alpha of the Horatio is a field of debris. So that, doesn't, <laughs> that does not help me uh, place it. Uh, but, but again, that was such a Starfleet conspiracy. I'm trying to remember whether that involved, like, Federation. Like, which I know Star, Starfleet's under the Federation, but I'm just going to be civilian is what I mean. Like, whether that was just a Starfleet conspiracy or whether, like, when Data was doing his review, whether it was actually anything else besides just... You know, admirals and yeah, admirals. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure, and that's why I asked. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's all Starfleet, is, is, is what it is. But classified. So it might be classified. That would, I mean, yeah. I mean, how do you lose an entire ship without anybody raising any questions, especially bazillions of citizens? Though, though I feel raise... like what followed was there was there was an increased recruitment from Starfleet since they lost like a fourth of their force from the conspiracy of people that were taken over and or destroyed. Because apparently there's only three people in Starfleet headquarters in conspiracy. So obviously they were down a couple personnel. So. And none of them are the president. So yeah. that makes sense. So, so the next event that happened in the first season is is something they could not have kept the lid on. I don't think at all, because uh, I don't know. You know, justice. The Romulans specifically say we're back after fifty three years of total silence. We don't hear anything about them. There's the, you could not keep a lid on that. I don't. I don't think that would even be possible. So, so now I'm picturing a pad with the phrase "We're back" spinning towards the camera, like news, <laughs> news style. You know, news, news, news service headline. They're back. They're Robulin back. in the neutral zone. Sub Commander Ducat. <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, that that would be a. I mean, it would also be scary because you have this the neutral zone. Because I mean, I almost feel like it'd be the same as it was in TOS. Because like the Romans, like we never heard from them. We just know they're out there and they're scary, and we ignore them. And hopefully things are, don't happen. But yeah, I mean, we haven't heard them since a Romulan ambassador helped a conspiracy in Star Trek Six, which hadn't. Picard happened sees yet. them and he's all like. Wait, they look a lot like Vulcans. <laughs> <laughs> I'd forgotten. I'd forgotten what they looked like. Oh man, it's been a while. So, yeah. yeah. Actually, you know, a, a common theme that I don't know if we'll get to at all, but we'll try uh, through a lot. A lot of these 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 events are going to be the Romulans. They're going to be a, they're kind of the bedrock of a lot of the events that happen. But okay, so that's the first season, guys. Let's move on to the second season because we only have so much time. Uh, in the second season. The big, the big event, and like we already mentioned, we already kind of half talked about this, right? Is 
the fact that the Enterprise is pushed into the Delta Quadrant and gets back within an episode, I might add. I'm, I'm, I'm telling I'm you, it's a footnote. Nobody even cares anymore. <laughs> They're like, Delta Quadrant. Saying... We're never going to have to worry about that again. <laughs> How long does it take to get back? Uh, 70 minutes, I think. That's about it. Yeah, so. No, but, uh, you know, so this might have remained confidential for sure, but this is the introduction of the Borg. This does have a huge impact, even if maybe the average citizen isn't aware of the impact. Uh, it changes Starfleet's policies. This is, I think this is kind of the beginning, the, 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 the ge- genesis of, um, of Deep Space Nine's attitude towards a lot of Star Trek philosophies. Like This is like, what does this, this utopian organization do with the knowledge that there is an enemy out there that can wipe them out almost instantly, pretty quickly, if 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 they're not careful. Well, if if we're to extrapolate from between Qhu and the best of both worlds, this is when you know Shelby. Event. I mean, not like right away, but eventually, where Lieutenant Commander Shelby, or possibly Lieutenant, who knows, at the time, um, starts to get involved, and and at least again on the Starfleet, you have all the admirals going, oh blank, you know. Now we have to figure out what happens <laughs> if the Borg come our way, based on what we what little we know, and if only there was someone who who got them on the same page. Anyway, um, but but I mean, it, it does. I think a, a common thread here that that again, you said the criticism of that people will bring to the paradise of the Federation is that. You know that they live that that TNG largely is a time of safety. Um, you know the, before the Dominion War and all that stuff. But like, but we have the Romulans. So okay, Return of the Romulans. Does that start to like you know make people like maybe maybe we shouldn't be so open. Maybe we shouldn't be so. Maybe we're not so safe or anything. I'm not saying it does, but you know that creeps in. And now we have the Borg. You know to what extent maybe they even know about that. You know what threat does that mean? Do, do we have to live differently? But you know that that all kind of filters in there. And that's that's true. I mean, a lot of this topic is through the lens of, uh, you know, what what is going on in in the Federation. You know, like you said, we, we there's pretty much an era of peace that leads right up to the event of, you know, we're at peace with the Klingons. We're you know we don't talk to the Romulans. You know, you have this pretty calm period. Uh, leading up to the events of the next generation when everything just starts to go crazy. But, uh, but yeah, so do you have a more reactionary, you know, Starfleet? Are they building, you know, cause pretty much the, the, the Starfleet's been the biggest, you know, the biggest power in the, in the quadrant for a while. Like, you know, and then when the Romulans show up, like, okay, they're about equal. And then the Borg are just like way, you know, level, 80 you know they're just gonna stomp on them uh, they've been spending all their time late at night mining and and getting all their reasons <laughs> anyway you know i i mean thank you philip and darren you couldn't have set me up for this anymore but but yeah so even if we ignore the events of q who and we talk about now season three and the beginning of season four we get the Forgive me if this is insensitive in any way. I don't think it is, but we get the what, Pearl Harbor, the 9/11 event of the 24th Century Federation. We get the attack of the Borg on Wolf 359. Now, this is something that changes all of Star Trek. There's no doubt about that. Of the entire the entire Federation. Like, I mean, imagine, I, like, imagine all. Well, this is it's like Pearl Harbor, right? Imagine all a lot of our forces are in one place and they just get destroyed well, by this. Oh, I was gonna say Wolf three five nine, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, they just get destroyed in this attack, and then there's no you. You don't hide that. You you can't conceal it. It's just a part, and it's going to ch- it's going to shift everything and change the attitude of almost everybody. Uh, you know, at the time, so we lose. I don't remember. Wow, God, I don't remember what. It's a lot. Her name's it's her name's lot. Jennifer Daniel, and I okay. and I advise you to remember it. <laughs> Why could well, it have been but Jake? I mean, there's the that Martian defense perimeter though. I mean God. that that was really oh. effective. See, I was going to bring this up. So like, so this is one of the things I hate, but you have to accept it. Well, you don't have to, but we'll have to accept it because it's canon. So like, apparently there are no defenses on Earth, like zero, like zero. Okay. Um, so I would <laughs> assume 
what this means is that, and again, this is, would be the criticism, that we've just been living a happy-go-lucky, click our heels, and sing a merry tune life here on Earth. That, like, maybe we should put up, I don't know, a space dock with a weapons array? I don't know. <laughs> Instead of just having interchangeable doors, maybe put a photon torpedo, you know, somewhere on there. Um, but, I mean, we have to accept, because, again, it frustrates me that there is, like, pachoo, pachoo, pachoo. Well, that's all we got. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and and I mean, I really like, you know, the when we see the other angle, as it were, of, you know, from Emissary, because I'm like, I don't know, I'm sorry, in space battles, pretty much your ship, at least when I see the ships fighting the Borg, it's like, how are there any survivors? Because it's literally like, okay, I'm fighting, I'm fighting, and then the Borg shoots them once, and their whole ship gets, like, obliterated, or, like, half of it is gone. And I'm like, yeah, who is surviving that? But, uh, yeah, 39 ships were destroyed in uh, with approximately 11,000 deaths. 11,000. You you can't hide 11,000 deaths. That's, yeah. that's, that's, that's insane. That's like 11 Enterprise D crews. Yeah. And and you know it's, I agree. That's a huge frustration with me. Like first of all, the fact that there's no no defenses around Earth, or like not just Earth, because Earth would definitely have the most. But anywhere around, you know, the Terran system at all, there's nothing. Like uh, I just okay. assume like Pluto would just be one big landmine, and you cross it just blows <laughs> up at this point. So. Or at least a big sensor array so everybody would know, hey, get back here pretty quick because there's some crazy stuff going down. Oh, um, and also, by the way, can I, I'm just going to throw this out there. So it was only Starfleet vessels? Like, were there any, like, I don't know, any other alien species that we're friends with that wanted to help well, out? Philip, no, no, Philip, we got it, Philip, guys. It seems like... S- sleep, Philip, sleep. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think... I don't know if we talked about it before. Yeah, it's probably... At least a podcast and a half worth of topic, but uh, that's metric. Yes, but uh, you know, I think isn't the it's pretty apparent that Starfleet, as it were, is pretty much just Federation or Earth type design ships. Like right. it is definitely Most not a you know I, I I've yet to yeah, but you're right. I mean, in the whenever we have a task group or whatever you know it's it's always saucer in a cell saucer in a cell can't be anything else you know it's it's it's, i'm just thinking about it there are more ships defending vulcan in 2009 in star trek 2009 (laughs) than there are defending earth in in uh best of both worlds and that's ridiculous that that's kind of absurd but and like, okay, where was so, the, we, so everybody, uh, and like, I'm just this okay. Like, where's space dock? Where's anything orbiting that planet? There's zero <laughs> things orbiting Earth, in except a Borg ship and the Enterprise. Like, like, where's the where's the internet? For goodness sakes, where's where's the you know the skeleton structure of ISS still floating around there? You know, I don't know. And, and you know, I, I you know, Darren, you mentioned emissary, and this is this. I understand people. I know this is a this is a a product of of the time and the technology but if you compare emissary to first contact or to whatever we would have nowadays like the the fact that well best of both worlds to emissary to first contact to whatever we would have nowadays i get it like it's we we didn't have the technology to show that kind of stuff but we could have at least had some crazy explanation for these these events at some point they were all at bob's surprise birthday party on andor yeah well, well, look how uh, you know in Deep Space Nine, often like when when Cisco's posting the casualty reports, and you see this like just screen of names. Like there are there are ways to to show a massive battle without showing the massive battle. Well, well, and, and one thing I want to throw out because I think, oh, and I can't remember. I'm sure it's not just one episode, but several episodes where maybe if you if when we find someone who's frozen in time, because that happens a lot, or or whatever. And you, my guitar, yeah, exactly, and and drug problem apparently. Um, but like, it's it, and that guy was the cleanest drug addict I've ever seen. Just FYI. But anyway, um, but but like, you just have these things about you know if you're in you know when Picard or whoever else is explaining the Federation to somebody new or whatever about like, well you know you're in the Federation now, you can do whatever you want. We're not you know bound by blah 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 money race whatever blah blah blah. You know you can do whatever you want, but like. So what does this change what people want to be? Because, you know, before, of course, I wanted to be poets and artists and scientists. <laughs> but, like, so now, I mean, with this threat, 
are like more people joining up for Starfleet or more people being tactical and security minded and and all that stuff? You know, I'm I'm just wondering as the average Federation citizen, does this sort of change? whether it's the young generation or whoever, like what your options are now. Is it more limited? Like we really need less, um, uh, you know, colonist scientists. We need more people who can shoot things. You know, what, what I'm reminded of is uh, Homefront and Paradise Lost, right, and Deep Space Nine, where Cisco, Papa Cisco, old, old man Cisco, um, he kind of, Admiral you know, Cartwright? He, <laughs> Admiral Cartwright. Conspiracy. <laughs> It's funny to think about, I mean, in that in that context, because at first he's, like, totally okay with, like, people checking him on the streets and, and, and you know, this increased security presence. And then eventually he comes around to the fact that it's like, ooh, uh, okay, maybe, you know, maybe these things aren't worth my freedoms and stuff like that. So, it would be, you know, it's interesting because, like, Darren, like you were mentioning, is this all reactionary? Does nobody have any context with which to put this into? Or 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 are these Federation citizens smart enough? Like like we've been told over and over again, the you know humanity in the twenty fourth century, they're smarter, they're they're wiser, they know better than to do these kinds of crazy things. They know better than to 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 take one person in a society and use him as genocide for that entire society, right? They know better than to do that. But but let's let's move on, guys. We don't have a ton of ton of time. So that's of course uh, third and fourth. Uh, season at that point the next really big event which is only big because they tell us it's big is the end of the Cardassian war yeah. right? wait wait we were the, at war uh, with the Cardassians the bloody bloody Cardassian <laughs> oh, war oh, oh let's let's have a moment of silence for all those that died in the Cardassian that like that like three never forget the minstrel boy <laughs> to the war <laughs> is gone <laughs> We joke a lot about this, guys, but it is a really ineffective way of of doing this, right? It's like, why would you? I mean, you. I, mean, and I don't want to. I mean, this is kind of skipping ahead, so I won't. But I'll just say, speaking of Federation citizens, when it comes to Cardassians and the treaty, yeah, that becomes an issue. <laughs> but but you know, we're like we're just instantly thrust into oh this is the end of like this they're like oh we're signing a peace treaty with the Cardassians who we've been at war with for three years and everybody who is anybody was always like wait what who what what I think I would have known if we had been at war Jean-Luc Picard (laughs) are you saying the Cardassian war insider magazine would have told me are you saying the Cardassian war is the Tasha Yar of who? <laughs> maybe well, maybe what it is is let's address two criticisms at once. I think if it was more of a maybe, police action, really. <laughs> oh yeah. Maybe the Enterprise is just never sent to the front lines. This is why we're never we're never in the Dominion War. We're never in the Cardassian War. We just don't know anything about anything. Oh, we've safe, completed our first sensor sweep of the neutral zone. <laughs> <laughs> and a class two comet. Oh, this is totally worthy. Look, of our I don't time. think we should trust Picard as someone who is so close to the Cardassians that he'd be in a position to fight them again. I don't. I don't. Let's not forget about the pretty much him and any Klingons. Pretty much Picard has like had dealings with every major power we fight. We wouldn't, and by that rhetoric, we wouldn't send him anywhere. It's true. It's just very. Or he, or he gains it. He goes send him to the Baku. He takes up the cause of the Baku. Like you can't send the man anywhere, Darren. That was an (laughs) insurrection. Okay. Anyway, Um, but but I mean the timeline that we have to because. Chief timeline. Of, I know. There's no time <laughs> to talk about. But if, but if, but if Miles, I mean, he was. I'm not saying it. But if he was in the Cardassian War, I'm not saying he's lying about the whole thing. But you know, you make your own conclusion. Um, when, but anyway, but like, when were you in the Cardassian War? <laughs> we saw him at Encounter. So like, I guess he fought before that. So then, in the next three years, oh. maybe it was just sort of dwindling down or something. I don't know. Like, how long was the war? Did they ever say how I, long I it was? Say, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't maybe been like I a it was decade more than three or so. Wars. It was, it, you know, I couldn't actually find any concrete, uh, uh, you know, information about this. Uh, what I did find was in the fourth season of uh, of TNG, they signed an armistice, and it wasn't until three years later that they actually a treaty. signed a treaty. Right, right, yeah, yeah. Wow. So, um, like, and then it, it's just vaguely mentioned that it was just an th- ongoing kind of a conflict. 
uh, we probably could talk for well, a whole episode. Well, because you know uh, one of the allies of the Cardassians in that war was the Sheliak. And so they actually had them <laughs> negotiating the treaty for them. So that's it's why it took a while. Yeah, the Memory Alpha page is saying that it started as far back as 2347 and lasted into the 2350s, but then there were smaller skirmishes not officially considered part of the wars that continued into the 2360s, which is the time period that we are in in next gen, uh, 2364, 5, 6, and so forth. It, I just, I would have... I would have been okay with it, but they just never mentioned it until that episode, until the wounded. And it's like, listen, we're four seasons in. Like, you could have, like, brought it up. Maybe they did mention it. No. Well, like, maybe, well, you know, they never did conclude who destroyed those outposts in season one because it could have been the Borg. It could have been the Romulans. (laughs) Maybe it was the Cardassians. Well, this, well, it does talk about, you know, like in the wounded, we do hear that Picard mentions that he lowered his shields as a gesture of goodwill to Cardassians. So he was involved, you know, in the at some point in the 2250s was that or during so. the Stargazer. Yeah, in the Stargazer. You know, <laughs> that, one of the few times he that bucket he of was bolts. always lowering his shields. I mean, to the Cardassians, to the Ferengi, <laughs> it's always a goodwill. He's like, you know, gesture. let them fire. I have an idea I've been wanting to try. My photonic <laughs> cannon. <laughs> okay, so uh, let's keep moving, guys. Um, fifth season, basically the Klingon Civil War, which, by the way, brought on by the Romulans, oh. which 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 we exposed. I mean that this is huge. This is a huge. This is a a quadrant defining event that we would expose the Rom, or at least prevent the Romulans from causing war. Civil yeah, but, war. But it was uh, the beta quadrant, so we didn't care as much, you know. So uh, <laughs> No, the Romulans are in the beta quadrant. The Klingons, I think, are still in the alpha quadrant. Okay. Um, you know, I mean, to me, I think the hard thing, well, not the hard thing, but I think what we have to keep in mind with the Federation is that sometimes, I think you say Federation, you think Earth. But, like, no, I mean, everyone's intermingled in everywhere. Like, you know, there's humans living in... Alpha Centauri. I'm just making things up. I don't know. But, like, you know, that the, the Klingon Civil War wouldn't just be like, well, how do people on Earth think? Like, well, who cares what people on Earth think? It's a big it's a big federation. You know, so I, I think, yeah, it really would affect, you know, people who are near Klingon space, people here in the, who are near the neutral zone. I mean, Vulcan, you had that whole Vulcan conspiracy um, with with um, uh, Yar's daughter. Who, who, <laughs> yeah. oh, okay. um, but anyway, so, but again, again, yeah, I think... Yeah, I mean the question. I'm, how were they affected? We don't know. That's always the answer. We don't know. Hey, hey, if they're not going to put it in their Romulan history books, why do we even need to put it in ours, Philip? <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. So let's keep. Let's just keep moving on here. And we we never um, see the crew vote. By the way, I'm just going to throw that out there. You know, do they do an absentee ballot? What's What's going on? You know, the Enterprise is not a democracy, Philip. <laughs> But let's uh, let's keep moving on to the to the sixth season here, um, when apparently the, the they move from an armistice to a treaty in chain of command, which is why uh, Picard is essentially released. Uh, hey, we gotta let him go. We can't torture him anymore. Uh, he's he's the he's pretty important captain on the flagship of the fleet. Not uh, anymore. And it also brings not anymore. That's Captain Jellico you're referring to. Oh, you're right, you're right. They had the ceremony and everything. You're right, I should not have forgotten. We added the fourth shift. I mean... (laughs) He put Troy in a uniform. I mean, he he got rid of Livingston. I mean, he's a a change maker. Actually, really, chain of command, uh, the two episodes, and Emissary, the two episodes... Are really interesting companion pieces that that, that we could ho- have a whole a subject about, but um, it, it is interesting that it, it was like that was the that was the reason that Gal Madrid had to stop torturing Captain Picard, and then the next episode is, oh, I don't like you because you killed my wife, you know, kind of an an episode. Picard, he's just down on his luck at that time. He's not having a good time. It's not his favorite time. But, <laughs> but it is, It is. I mean, I mentioned it because it's important in Star Trek history, but it's probably significant uh, in, in the in-universe history as well because, you know, as much as we see TNG history complete, 
we could also see Deep Space Nine history complete. So both of those events, those crossover events are actually super significant. Well, it kind of reminds and... me of when I'm playing the game. It is a couple of decades old, but uh, Birth of the Federation. I don't know if anyone played that computer game. Um, it's kind of like a world-managing game based in Star Trek. But, like, if you're the Federation or, you know, if, like, you make peace, you, you know, with, or you do a peace treaty with one of the other species, you'll be like, you know, the people are very glad that you have made peace and, like, your morale can go up versus, like, if you're the Klingons and you make peace, like, the people are angry, the battle will be averted. But, like, I'm wondering, like, what's the morale, you know, spectrum right now? Are they, like, loyal or content, you know, based on what, what has happened here? Yeah, you got to be really clear when you're talking about games you're playing because uh, we know all about about your games, Philip. So. <laughs> what is interesting about emissary is that the that the, the linchpin, the 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 turning point that they decided to use was, uh, um, of course, best of both worlds, which was I think really it's the turning point of all of of modern Star Trek, right? Like, it's it's such a huge event we already talked about it but it's it's like we're looking at it now from sixth season star trek of tng and then of course first season of d space nine but it is well even and negative second season of voyager but it's super important because it it kind of contains all of the elements of how the rest of star trek is going to go well and, and i wonder if and again i'm in in the sense of trying to make this a real world like how does that you know, if you've lost your father, your husband, your brother, your sister, whatever, on Wolf 359, Best of Both Worlds, like, how does that, to compare it with Enterprise, for instance, do you view Starfleet differently now? You know, is there, is there, which I know 22nd and 24th century, maybe it's different attitudes, but other people like, maybe we shouldn't be going into space anymore, which I think would be hard to do by the 24th century. Everything's just intermixed at that point. And you're like half Cardassian and a quarter Euridian by that point. But anyway, um, I mean, yeah, you know. But yeah, I, but at least Starfleet, like, well, maybe we should just stay within our borders of the Federation, as big as it is. Maybe you know, I don't know. I wonder if did it affect people's view of Starfleet? Yeah, it's a good good point. I mean, it, yeah, it could be. I'm sure there could be some people who are like, why weren't the end? Why is why wasn't not the Enterprise there at the beginning of the battle? I mean, it showed up at the end and basically won the day. Couldn't that have not been the first thing we did instead of losing, you know, all of our ships? But I mean, I guess they're expendable because they what they were going to rebuild the fleet in a year. Well, that was the timetable. That you know, it's like a contractor. You, they say a year. <laughs> well, what's well? How many? Which planet are they counting? That's going around its sun. I mean, Vulcan takes like <laughs> you know, a long time. That's why you never want to contract on Vulcan. They take <laughs> All right. Well, moving on, guys. Um, there's some other things, but but moving on, let's let's move to season seven and really the big. This is the big. The Enterprise saves the the universe. The, well, at least the uh, the human race, possibly the universe, though. Moment where and but but of course it's like a it's an alternate timeline, so it's like never happened. Is Picard never congratulated or 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 uh, you know? Like, recognized for his achievements in all good things? I believe the response would be picks or it didn't happen. <laughs> I was picturing him at the end. He's just like, man, Jordy, remember that time I told you about that alternate timeline where I totally saved everyone's, but I never got any recognition for that. Yes, you told us about the time. Jeez. Look, I, I, we've talked about this, guys, at length. I am as big of a Picard fan as everybody else is, but we have to admit a lot of his accomplishments are like in his head or like <laughs> Q episodes or t- like timeline weird up. Like, so, t- you know, we've got uh, inner light. We've got Jordy. Uh, do you remember that time I built that stellar probe that contained <laughs> all of our memories? We, no, sir. You didn't, you didn't do that. It's, <laughs> We've got tapestry. We've got all good things. Why does this? Remember that like time I this? rigged a pool table to a bunch of Nausigans? Well, you know, and uh, not to joke, but the man does d- develop neural problems later in life. So, uh, saying uh, that Picard is the Baron Munchausen. Oh wow, you've been century. waiting to pull that one out, Darren. Wow. <laughs> But even Generations, right? Generations is all like So I totally met world. Captain Kirk. Oh, yeah? Where was his body? Like, well, I... Uh, he's on, uh, it's he's under, under these, these rocks. rocks. Yeah. Don't move him. Don't yeah. move him. Don't, don't move him. 
And he actually is putting it all into a light. This is all a figment of Picard's <laughs> imagination. Wait, what do you, I, what do you, you know, mean you can hear the Borg? With the Borg? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I totally... Does oh, anyone yeah. else hear that? Doesn't... No? Am I the only one? And the only person who could ever call him on that would be an actual practicing counselor. <laughs> and we all know, you know... We know... So, okay, it's official. All of TNG, including the movies, is officially a product of where no one has gone before. Picard is just imagining scenarios <laughs> oh, in which he becomes the hero. and It's the official that's... closing at the end. It just like snaps back. <laughs> He's like, I-, I got it, everyone. We, we, we need to not, this is, this is all not real. Traveler, get us back. And it's like, what have we been watching for seven years? So All Good Things really is him back in that first, second season, or first season uniform Gosh. and then the Traveler guest stars. And it's like... Even guys, guys, come on! <laughs> this is so funny. We're talking about this. Even first contact, you can't corroborate that. Like you, can't, no, 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 like, no. There was a like, past where you were all Borg. I swear, I swear. Were, like as far as I could see, like there wasn't even a statue anymore. I met George Washington, guys. <laughs> I convinced him. <laughs> uh, that would be the worst series finale. Is if like. Talk about a reset button. <laughs> if we all found out that all of TNG all was of TNG. a season, a well, season no, one. It's even worse because, you know, there are a few episodes before that episode, which apparently did happen. That's it. Actually, did they? It would did be, they? Uh, oh, Jean-Luc, you really went back in time anymore. and were put on trial? Really? Really? <laughs> Oh really? The the Romulan president is your clone, John Luke. Come on. Look, 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 I know when I say <laughs> wait, it wait, wait. it sounds ridiculous, but So wait. So so this woman who is on your command staff, who you say died on this planet, now for some reason she has a daughter who's <laughs> who's <laughs> older than her. <laughs> and somehow it, it wow. You, you really talk about it. Pretty much every Mission Picard has. That yeoman, like that yeoman back at Starfleet <laughs> headquarters is reading that law going, I'm just going to erase this. I don't want to embarrass them. It's like the deranged madman. Wait, wait, wait. So a Ferengi cloned you into like some son. Wait, to try so to, you like, make turned you feel into a 12-year-old. <laughs> wait so you were gonna your whole crew was gonna de-evolve but not all into apes your your assistant engineer was a spider <laughs> oh god oh it's so funny wow we've just uh, we we guys we've eliminated uh, tng yep. well, this, this, this is like standard orbit we're doing the canon of tng and it's only three episodes all <laughs> seven seasons and four movies it's just three episodes it's just Picard uh, imagining. It's a, it's hallucinating. All that it's happened was Code of Honor. That is the only episode that ever happened. <laughs> well, and I think of all the times like the holodeck's breaking down. That's just his mind rationally trying to make sense of it all. Hol- I mean, because do we ever see holograms coming alive before then in Kirk's time? No. Yeah, it's like, it's not like that. I don't know if y'all are Buffy fans, but it's like that episode of Buffy, unfortunate episode of Buffy, where she like wakes up and like she's really in an asylum. Like that's the real reality, and that this whole thing, the whole time, she's been delusional. Well, you have uh, Far Beyond the Stars. Oh yeah. Or well, yeah, yeah. Well, it's the it's the Inception Star Trek, right? Wait, you, you mean ship in a bottle? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, uh. <laughs> You know what? I'm not even going to try to move was, on from that fun. point because it's it's just not going to happen. That that was just that was. It, um, so uh, you know, I'm going to make a prediction. In the next five or six Earl Grey episodes, we're going to have an episode entirely dedicated to the conspiracy theory that TNG <laughs> is entirely in Picard's mind. <laughs> And uh, guys, we need to rewatch everything and like write down Compense how Picard might have come up with every it. scene that he's not in <laughs> question. <laughs> oh you know what oh wait is it the first season episode or is it the second season episode where he um where he gets teleported into the into space 
Um. <laughs> oh gosh, that one, yo, yeah, yeah. And uh, so you went, and there was a clone made of you on your own ship, and you were in this oh, other area. Second and season. he sang songs, and that's how the crew knew he wasn't you. Ales for everyone unhinged their plan to take over your ship. The so yeah, you went to Sherwood Forest, is what you're telling me. <laughs> God. Oh, we really need to make this episode because this would be a lot of fun. We, we do. We'll call it uh, Captain's Log. Dubious. <laughs> Co- dubious at best. Oh, so, God. I don't even, okay. so you want to know why he was, he was a Q. captain for Q 22 years. He was a of his imagination. This is why. This is why he was a captain for 22 years or 30 years, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much every Q episode is a figment of his imagination. Yeah, I mean, oh, look at every... that planet they get transported on. I mean, that doesn't even look like a planet. It totally looks like a you know a room oh, with a <laughs> penalty box. I mean, <laughs> penalty box, really, Picard? Nobody has used hockey, you know, metaphors. Look, everybody for knows years. nobody likes an episode that's just a game. I mean, those are just that's not a popular episode. <laughs> All right, guys. This is this is we've gone on long enough here, and uh, we'll probably broach this subject again. But more importantly, we've come up with a really interesting fan theory about Picard being completely insane <laughs> and everything being fake. Uh, but uh, believe it or not, Star Trek is the only thing we've been talking about here on the network. Uh, and uh, if you want to take a listen to what else we've we've been uh, talking about, here's a look at what else you may have missed. Previously on Trek.fm. Standard Orbit. This episode isn't very good, but... <laughs> Are we just going to pin all of our <laughs> choices? You pretty much have to. But the thing about this episode, which we talked about a couple weeks ago, I think, is it's a crazy idea. Earl Grey. Picard, can you construct a, a rudimentary lathe? Go for its weak spot. <laughs> it's an energy being. It doesn't have a vulnerable spot. <laughs> Get off the line, the forge. The orb. Or we could just blame it on Janeway somehow, you know, that she it's scared fault, the yeah. Borg into the Gamma Quadrant because they were tired of dealing with her in the Delta Quadrant. I don't know. To the journey! Because this is the dangers, by the way, kids, of having uh, babies in the 24th century. Because if Kathy's first word was coffee and she was standing next to the replicator, the next thing you know, you have a hyped-up two-year-old. The ready room. Well, it's kind of like, you know, you've got your lucky shirt when you're watching a football game and your team won when you were wearing it. So now you have to wear it every time. That's also the Enterprise insignia. That's the insignia of the only ship whose crew didn't die. Yeah. So Just wear course. it on the right color shirt. That's all. That's right. Commentary, Trek stars. And then he turns to her and he says, who, who is that man that I was just hugging? And she says, that was William Shatner. And he's like, who? Literary Treks. Well, you know, I'm, I'm really a, a fan of a lot of, you know, different kinds of you know, naval fiction. Uh, you know, I, I, C.S. Forrester, Horatio Hornblower, those novels. So um, good. Yeah, Patrick O'Brien, uh, you know, the, the Master and Commander books. Uh, you know, these are all things which sort of put me into the right mindset. The 602 Club. So when we come kind of to the story here, and especially off of doing literary treks where we talk about Michael Pillar's book Fade In, kind of got behind the scenes of, of insurrection and really seeing how the that story changed. To me, it really just exemplified the importance of story in a movie. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So you can check out all these shows and get in on the Daily Trek Talk. You'll find them in iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, the Windows Podcast Directory for Xbox and Zune, or you can stream from the website. Basically, you can find them anywhere. Just visit trek.fm slash pd for podcast directory to get all the links. And if you would like to contact us to share your thoughts on today's show, just go to trek.fm slash contact. From there, choose Send to Show, and of course, Selector or Gray. These messages will be emailed to the three of us personally. Finally, in social media, you'll find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash trekfm, and on Twitter under username trekfm. Our new listener discussion group is called The Babel Conference, found by typing The Babel Conference, of course, into the Facebook search field, so you can find us there. 
Please support our sponsor, Audible.com, who helps us bring Earl Grey to you each week. Audible is a great way for you to read all of the books you've always wanted to read, but never thought you'd have time for. Audible is the premier source for audiobooks with more than 150,000 titles to choose from, and new titles coming every week. From classics to current bestsellers, and even some of the most famous Star Trek books, like Prime Directive, Federation, and Spock's World, Audible has something for everyone. As a Trek FM listener, you can get a free audiobook of your choice, along with a 30-day trial to see just how great Audible is. So give it a try today, catch up on all those classic Star Trek books you've yet to read, and that latest novel from your favorite author as well. Just go to audibletrial.com slash trekfm and sign up today. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash trekfm, and we thank Audible for supporting Earl Grey and all of Trek FM. And lastly, there's one more way you can directly help us keep Earl Grey coming to you each week, and that is for becoming a patron of Trek FM. By visiting www.patreon.com slash trekfm, you can choose among various pledge levels and receive rewards for becoming a Trek FM patron. These rewards let you inside the observation lounge of our network and make it possible for us to distribute all of our great content. So please become a Trek FM patron and visit www.patreon.com slash trekfm today. Before we close our show here today, we here at Earl Grey want to express our immense sadness and grief at the passing of Leonard Nimoy, uh, best known to us all as Mr. Spock, of course. Uh, Nimoy created a character who made Star Trek what it was and will be. He, he made us love science, want to know more about aliens, and asked us to reach for the stars, boldly going where no one has gone before. Just as he was to Captain Kirk... Leonard and Spock was a friend to the audience, loyal and true. We will miss you. Leonard Nimoy's Spock spanned several generations, from those first watching the original series in the late 60s to those new audiences of the 2010s watching Prime Spock in Star Trek Into Darkness. When it comes to the next generation, Ambassador Spock's appearances in Unifications Parts 1 and 2 created a perfect meeting of the generations of the original series and the next generation. As he told Mr. Data, may we all get a chance to live a life of no regrets. Leonard Nimoy is, and will always be, Star Trek. He taught us to question the universe using logic, but to never be afraid to make a joke or two. From his work as an actor, director, producer, and everything else, he made Star Trek and everything he touched an entertaining and learning experience. We extend our heartfelt condolences to his family, friends, and the larger Star Trek audience. Even though Mr. Nimoy is gone, he will never be forgotten. Live long and prosper, Mr. Spock. All right, Darren, if people wanted to get a hold of you and talk about their uh, Picard conspiracy <laughs> theories, uh, how would they do that? Uh, they could find me on Twitter under username uh, Dr. Sci-Fi. That's D-R-S-C-I-F-I. And, and Philip, if they wanted to get your man-on-the-street impressions of what was going on in the Federation, how would they get a hold of I'm you? I'm just, like, picturing the onion with all those, like, four clip art faces <laughs> reacting to, like, what do you think about the Borg invasion? Like, I like cubes. Um, they can find me on Twitter. My handle there is NC Public Servant. That's NC for North Carolina. All right, guys. And if anybody is running out of either thumbtacks or red string, they can get a hold of me on Twitter as well. And uh, my handle is at one up Dan. That is the number one, not the word. Uh, all right, guys. Well, um, I don't need to tell you what I'm doing because what I'm doing is my business and nobody needs to know. But I'm going to go off and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to have the right to my privacy. So uh, I guess I'll catch you all next week. Live long and prosper. Live long and prosper. Live long and prosper. Fire.